0: Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. we will get the ball to McClendon. He... Oh, he
1: doesn't get in! He fumbled the football! Carolina
0: holds! The game is over! And Carolina has won the game! Finley to throw. Over the middle! Intercepted! Wolfuck again! Wolfuck the other way! At the 30! The 40! Wolfuck to midfield!
1: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we are taking a look back at the weekend that was in Chapel Hill. We have Deems May, a former Tar Heel and a guy that is now a part of the Tar Heel Radio Network. Also, a guy that has a son on the team this year in true freshman walk-on, Deems May the third. So he had the perspective of a parent of a broadcaster, and of a former player. He is stopping by with us today to tell you a little bit about what he saw over the weekend. Also, we'll just take a general look towards the season. Some important questions coming up with Deems May. Uh, but first, want to talk to you guys uh, just a little bit about, um, you know, so far what we're hearing out of camp. Really, uh, you know, everything's been relatively quiet um, in terms of the quarterback battle. As expected, didn't really think that there would be much released about that to this point. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it seems like those guys are going to continue this battle. Mac Brown did reveal... After the first practice on Friday, that he is hoping to have a decision sometime around the same time that they had a decision for Sam Howell, which was about 10 days before the start of that 2019 season. So that is the timeline that they are roughly following for this decision. Now, of course, if they do not get enough separation at the quarterback position, it seems likely that they would then look at the option of potentially going with two quarterbacks. Hopefully, you know, that is not the direction that they go in. Uh, I think, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I've said it multiple times here on this podcast, I don't think that that is the best way to go about things, especially in 2021 when the quarterback position is as important as it has ever been. Um, but we'll have to just wait and see. And it seems like, you know, from those comments, Mac Brown even just straying off of his comments from the week prior at ACC Media Days seemed much more motivated to find that one guy at the position, whether it's Jacoby Criswell or Drake May. Uh, So we'll we'll see. That's going to be the focus of a lot of people over the next few weeks as we get closer and closer to the season. I know that they do have one more open practice. It is not open to the general public, but it is open to the students. You have to wonder if it would be open to the media as well. I haven't seen whether or not it is. But that could be really the last look at that group before this team goes into preparations for that first game of the season. Season against Florida A&M, so it'll be interesting to see where things stand there. As for some of the other position groups, not really much coming out. I think the most interesting thing that came out of Saturday, just from sort of seeing the people that were there, unfortunately I was not able to attend due to uh, work. I was planning on trying to go up, but unfortunately the schedules just didn't match up well enough for me to be able to get up there. But a lot of people really talking about the true freshman wide receiver Andre Green Jr., and this is a guy that just enrolled here in the summer, so uh, for him to come out and really make that much of an impact early on, really stand out to a lot of people, that is saying something, and Carolina is looking for more consistency at that wide receiver position. They're definitely looking for guys that can step up, and who knows, maybe the true freshman has a chance to make an impact early on out of the gate. But enough from me, a guy that wasn't there on Saturday. Let's get to a guy that was there on Saturday. And Deems May, uh, he joined us back in March to talk a little bit about his career, about his son, um, and did mention, you know, we did talk to him a little bit about the Tar Heel team from a year ago. Well, today, we're going full tilt on this year's Tar Heel team and what he saw both at the scrimmage, what he's seen throughout the spring, and sort of his projections on some of these other uh, position groups and some important questions on these position groups. Deems, how's it going, man? And uh, how did it feel to be back inside of uh, Keenan Stadium as we get closer and closer to the start of the year?
0: Yeah, it was it's always good when when you're not out there for camp, you know. It's, it's always good when you can watch from the shade, especially on, on days as hot as it's been, but um just I you know, I'm I'm cautiously very optimistic about this year. I like where we are. I like that nobody's really got us up front like 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 last year. There's not a lot of pressure. Nobody's really anticipating us doing well. We don't have a clear cut Number one quarterback, like like you know, a lot of ACC does right now. Um, but we've got some pieces in place that I think that that if we stay healthy, that we can we can we can kind of sneak up on some people because it just it just feels a lot more comfortable right now than than last year at this time, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I you, you sort of get that feeling from the coaching staff and just from hearing them even at ACC media days you know, we, we, it, it seemed like there was more confidence. And one of the reasons why, Deems, is it seems like there is this thought that there is just a better attitude around the team overall, that there is just more energy around the team. Are you kind of seeing that, you know, from from being around the team or, or even, you know, hearing it from your son yeah. that maybe there is a, a, a more of an energy this year than there was even a year ago? You know, energy-wise,
0: I'm, I'm not really sure. I think um, – Uh, that that's something that is going to be really hard to feel just with one practice and just, uh, you know, a couple of workouts. But, um, I think overall, I think the, without getting too much into details, I just think the the chemistry from the top, from, from coach Brown down to all the way to the bottom of wherever you want to call it, whether it's somebody filling up cups or doing whatever, there's just a sense of, of camaraderie there a little bit more. Um, there's probably not as much tension. I think there was some tension around. There was some disagreements on how things should be done, you know, and and, and, and how things should be run a little bit. And, and I don't know if it was – unless you're really – I didn't really understand it much until the end of the season. So from that standpoint, from a macro standpoint, I think just the overall chemistry right now uh, since, you know – since spring ball is a lot better, and and that's something that you know always comes out in the wash when you when you go six and seven, something's wrong, something's missing with the talent we had. People weren't on the same page, and no matter where we feel where we end up this year, or how we start out the year, um, they're in a much better place currently right now than we were last year at the same time.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you definitely get that sense. I mean, Mac Brown said a couple interesting things the other day, including referencing the fact that, you know, this coaching staff just has cohesiveness. And it wasn't more cohesiveness. It wasn't better cohesiveness. It was cohesiveness, which makes you wonder if there really was that separation between the guys last year. You know, I think a lot of people look at Gene Chizik as that big-name guy that's coming in there. Um, him and 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 maybe even Charlton Warren together. Mm-hmm. You know, do you kind of get the sense that you know are, are you feeling sort of a similar vibe heading into this year to what you know we felt back in 2015 with Gene? Do you think he can turn it around that quickly?
0: <clears throat> I you know I, I don't I don't know how that's going to play off, and, and and we've seen it year in year out. It's it's going to be dictated on, on on injuries. But the thing that that Gene brings, and and I've said it since he got back. And since I watched uh, two or three practices in the spring in the spring game, is there's one word that I just that I keep coming back to every time, and that's calmness. There's a calmness out there that was not present for the last few years. If there's a calmness pre-snap. There's a calmness uh, getting it, you know, getting the call in, getting lined up. There's a calmness when 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 people are communicating to each other out there on on shifts and motions and things like that. And I think Gene just brings a calmness that's much needed and I think that's going to be the biggest difference for this year is that we're going to be lined up. We're only going to have a couple uh, fronts and a couple coverages, and we're going to let talent that we've had really uh, good success recruiting play. And, and I think if, if, if you let good players play without thinking, if you're thinking at the snap of the ball, you're done. And, and, and that's just we've got good enough players. We've recruited good enough players all the way around on that defensive side that we can just have a few fronts. It doesn't it doesn't have to be complicated a, a few couple blitzes. If we can get those corners out there healthy and playing one on one, we can do a lot, uh, but still be simple and be ready to play when the ball snapped. And I think that's the that's the thing that gets me more excited than anything else on this team right now is the sense of calm I've seen on defense this spring and and, and just for, you know, hearing it from my son and also seeing one practice.
1: Well, one of the other things that has really excited me is just the way that Mac Brown seems to be talking about that offensive line group. And look, the other day, they weren't in pads, so it was hard to get a look at the offensive line. Really, during those times, those guys are pretty much just there to try to help guys, you know, get certain elements of the offense put in place or whatever. But. You know, just overall, what's your feeling around that group just from the fact that there was so much change from the coach at that position, you lose four starters from a year ago, but ultimately, do you think that all that turnover maybe lends well? Because that was a position group that even before last year, you were really one of the only guys saying it that you thought there were some concerns there. So maybe that turnover works out well?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I I was right last year and I was hoping I wouldn't be. I, I just didn't see it and and, and I was so worried about that Virginia Tech game because I knew exactly what they were gonna do. They were gonna come out and play their Super Bowl and you know, you saw the rest of the year they didn't I don't even think they played very well the the whole rest of the year and we just weren't very tough and, and I saw some things in practice last year, um in preseason leading up to that that just really, really worried me. Right now, I, I can't comment on it. Um, I did not see enough of spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I, I'm, I'm gonna try to sneak down here. I may even try to go Thursday morning, but I'm, I'm gonna try to see some one-on-one drills, some inside run drills, and then I'll get a better feel for it. But I do feel like that that um, um, that, 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 that we have, I don't know, I, from from what I've seen secondhand. Again, I, I think we're tougher. I think we're playing lower. I think we've got a little bit of chip on our shoulder. Um, That, you know, we don't want to, that this O line does not want to be seen as the weak link. Um, They keep hearing about the D line. D line's always going to be ahead. Defense doesn't have a whole lot to do early in the season, but get upfield, you know, and offensive line's always behind. So get get back to me on that in in 10 days or two weeks, and and I'll be able to be. Let me see three or four practices and, and see a little bit more because Saturday. You know, we we we've got some good players on D, right. and when they're coming downhill with no pads on, they can look really really good. But until they're worried about getting hit in the face really hard, I'm I'm not really set to to judge the the offensive line yet. But I tell you what, if we can split them out and run downhill, I think we got some really good backs. So uh, I'm excited to see what that is. Just not ready to comment on it now because last year I was I was right, and I don't want to say something now <laughs> without really having a lot of a lot of intel and then being able to see what we're doing. But I do think that, you know, these these guys know that they were the weak link last year and they don't want to be that this year.
1: Well, let's go over to the other side of the trenches just really quick. And, you know, your son plays down there on the defensive line, and that's a unit that's been talked about a lot so far this summer in terms of the unit that can probably take the biggest step just based on the talent that they have down there. You know, what do you think, you know, what is the, the next step for those guys down there? Because we've seen, you know, they've got the talent. They've got guys that have even shown some things like Miles Murphy did in the first half of last year. What do you think that next step is for that defensive line to be where Carolina needs it to be?
0: Well, if you're going to challenge um, Clemson and you're going to challenge uh, th- these other good teams in in, in the ACC and, and moving forward, you got to have eight to nine that you can rotate and uh, that 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 you don't have a drop off. And it's going to pay it's more important early in the season and late in the season, you know, because early is hot. And 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 man, I don't care how good a shape you're in. It's going to be tough early in the season playing a bunch of snaps. If you can keep bringing fresh legs in and keep running through them and, and these offensive linemen that are in there, you rarely see offensive linemen, sh- you know, shipped out. And then here they are, they play two downs, and then the pass rush, and then a speed guy comes in on third down, and then here comes somebody else on on a rushing down, and they keep seeing fresh legs at them. It's demoralizing, and that's big in early in the season, and it's big late in the season when everybody's banged up. So if we can find – Nine, I mean, nine is, 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 is incredible. Ten is, is unheard of, kind of. and but, but if we can get seven or eight that we're really on and then maybe nine that we can roll constantly, kind of like Clemson was doing when they were winning like Alabama does, like everybody that, that wins starts up front, if we get to that point where we don't have any drop-off as we're rolling kids in and out, then, then that's going to be the reason we have success. And if anything we do this year is going to be predicated on being able to beat them up front, getting upfield, and rolling in fresh legs early in the year and late in the year.
1: Well, it feels like Mac Brown is pretty confident about that. He's talked about feeling pretty good about potentially going three deep there. So hopefully they can continue to advance that in fall camp. Now, Deems, I got to ask you about this, man. This is the one that most people are probably going to want to know about. What did you see out of the quarterbacks the other day? And just from your perspective about the quarterback battle overall, You know, ultimately, what do you hope is the end result? Do you think that this team has to find a quarterback before that first game of the year, or do you think they can go in with two quarterbacks?
0: That's a great question, and and I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm just kind of old school. I I don't like two quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I just think that the first two weeks, if you know, if we can't find if somebody can't separate themselves in the first two weeks, maybe you have to do it. Maybe you have the luxury of doing it early on but i just think if you start you, you want your your number one quarterback once once you get into game planning and that's going to happen in about two weeks where we're going to really have to start game planning these first few games you want your starting quarterback to get 75 80 percent of the snaps and if he's only getting 50 then he's getting cheated and if you're only getting 50 and you're doing 50 50 and you don't have anybody then it's not going bear it's not gonna bode well for you i don't think um just it's, it's happened before but not rarely I, you rarely see two coming in there's something about a chemistry. There's something about, um, and, and mainly one thing that a lot of people don't get is, is snap count. Anthony, you think about snap count. These linemen want one snap count. They don't want to be here in two. You know, they like to cheat. They like to jump off. They like to be a little bit ahead. If you got two different snap counts, I just, I just don't like two quarterbacks. And I think you're cutting out. Mm-hmm. I think you're cutting out reps. I think we're going to have to find, settle on one. And if we get to FAMU and 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 they still haven't said anything, I, 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 that's not going to be good in my terms. That doesn't mean we can't win games. That does mean we can't rely on a great running back, and I think all these quarterbacks are good. Now, on the positive side of that, I think all three of them that I saw Saturday, were, look, what, they all throw it well. They're all good athletes. I like how we were coming off of our progress. We're getting through our progressions very well, and for young quarterbacks, that's important. I watched, I watched guys come off quick. I saw a lot of check downs, and again, that was only the second practice, no pads, but there wasn't a lot of force throws. Um, they were they were they were hitting some 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 swings, some a lot of checkdowns that I like from from all three guys. But I am no fan of two quarterbacks. I just think you're cutting down the reps on one, and then you're having an a offensive lineman guessing who's going to go, you know, on what sound or what. And it, I, I just don't like it. So I'm hoping that somebody will separate and may the best man win.
1: Well, yeah, I think you know again with with some of the guys that you know Carolina has rolled through. Since really since that that last time that it really worked with two quarterbacks, which was Chris Kildorf and Oscar Davenport, it's been a little rough. So I I think Uh a lot of people are probably in that same camp with you. Well, we asked you about one of your former positions. Let's ask you about the other one. You know, the tight ends. This is something that we've heard the last few years is that, hey, they want to get these guys more involved. And this year, there there seems to be even more talk about that than normal from Mac Brown, from Phil Longo, everybody. You know, when you look at this tight end group, you know, do you feel encouraged about this group about the impact that they could have, and do you think that this is the year that they start to get these guys more involved?
0: Yeah, I certainly hope so. I think a tight end is so pivotal, especially when you're struggling in the red zone, getting touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a subjectivity here with me. I, I, I've coached Bryson since we were playing hammerdown football here. Bryson Nesbitt. Since we were playing hammerdown, I know his dad real well, and he coached with us, and we had a good little youth program here. And watching him grow, and 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 he just he's long, he's athletic. I think he can be a, a big weapon down there. And, and Kamari Morales, he's he's a little bit more on the you know maybe putting the hand in the ground down there, maybe run a little bit of stick routes. Using his body to bounce off some Mike linebackers and, and find some dead areas right in there inside the five and catching it. So, if we don't utilize our tight ends, especially as, as we're trying to to uh, improve red zone touchdowns, then then we're and if our tight ends don't catch a bunch of balls down there, then we're not going to be very successful. Because let's face it, when that field gets condensed in there, you got to have some bodies that bang around. The flags aren't going to come out. Um, as great as Josh Downs is in the open field, it really inhibits his great route running, and his quickness down there because, you know, you get right past somebody, three yards later, there's a safety. So you've got to have a big body, a big target, uh, and and just play, keep away and, and rebound like in basketball and, and, and just get it to the tight end. So I really hope so, especially in that red zone. And anytime time you can get a tight end that can get down the field uh, and, and be a linebacker and cover two, and that means that the outside, they're going to have to go to a single high safety. And, boy, you start doing that with some of our receivers and then having them play one-on-one out there, that's when you'll see Josh making people look bad and, and these other young receivers going by people. If they can play cover, two and run with the tight end down the middle, then that gives them a big advantage on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So tight end's got to be a part of it. And uh, just like the running game does, too, we can't, we can't rely on just throwing it up deep and we can't lock in on, on Josh where I think Sam, Felt like he had to do that a lot last year, and it put a lot of pressure on us, especially on third downs.
1: Last thing I'll ask you, Deems, uh, you know, there were was a lot of talk about the true freshman Andre Green Jr. the other day uh, as one of the guys that stood out. You know, were, were, were there any guys that sort of caught your attention the other day, or maybe so far, uh, even back in the spring, that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about, but that you think could have a little bit of a bigger impact this year than maybe some people think on paper?
0: No, I think, you know, I, I, I have a tendency to to, to to watch the tight ends just out of pure selfishness, and, and I, I want to see them get involved. So I really concentrate on where they were going to put them mm-hmm. a lot, especially in seven on seven. I think these guys we have on the outside, you know, have, have a chance to be great. I, defensively, I think Cedric Gray really jumped out at me, and Noah, Noah, the kid from Virginia, jumped out at me mm-hmm. early. But as far as the receivers go outside, i did not really get to 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 hone in enough on them as I, I kind of tightened in on the on the on the tight ends and and the routes they were running and seeing if they really were getting more involved in it. So, again, early on, be happy to come back on here after I watch a couple scrimmages. I see some live action up front, but definitely want to see everybody's watching the quarterback, so I really don't have to watch that. Everybody will have their own opinion <laughs> on that. I want to watch the O line and, and hopefully come away with a lot better feeling than I had last year at this time with our offensive line.
1: Definitely. Well, we won't turn down that opportunity. We'll get you on again right before the season and uh, sort of get your feel for where things are at as this team comes down the home stretch. Uh, but, hey, thanks for stopping by with us today, talking a little bit with us about, uh, you know, what what we're seeing early on in camp and uh, a little bit about this team just overall. We really appreciate you stopping by with us.
0: Always love talking about the Heels, so we'll look forward to getting back together with
1: you. Talk All right, man. Soon. So we want to thank Deems for stopping by with us. We greatly appreciate that and uh just tremendous stuff as always and yeah we're going to hope to check back in with him right before the start of the season to sort of get his opinion on what he thinks of that offensive line the defensive line some of these other position groups that he'll get a chance to watch a little bit more closely uh, over the next couple of weeks and we'll of course be getting you ready uh, for all of that leading up we got the position previews online that we hope you guys are checking out well we're going to take a quick break we're going to let you hear this week's ad from DraftKings, and then after that, I'm going to come back and tell you guys uh, some of the other news going on around Tar Heel football, including a big commitment that is upcoming on the recruiting trail, and one that right now is currently a dead heat between Carolina and rival NC State. Stick around here on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, back right after this. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football. Their first ever NFT fantasy game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football. A new shot at millions in prizes and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup with athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey guys, Anthony Pagnotta back here. Welcome you back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned before we went to break, let's get right into the recruiting news side of things. Of course, you know, the last couple of days, Carolina has missed On a couple of targets in the 2022 class over the weekend. uh, They did miss on 2022 four-star cornerback Braden Marshall. Uh, This was not really all that unexpected. It looked like for a while Carolina was potentially in a really good spot for him. And even more so when Carolina was amongst the final three that did not include the Central Florida Knights. The team that is closest to home to him that he was considering And unfortunately, Central Florida, it looks like they made a push really in the final week of his recruitment. He was on campus as uh, recently as as Tuesday of the uh, week of the commitment, which happened on Saturday. Um, And it seems like they did exactly what they needed to do. And they land his commitment over Carolina, Wisconsin, and Nebraska Uh, The Tar Heels, that one, uh, you know, it makes a little bit of sense because I think for a while we thought Central Florida was kind of the favorite there. I thought Carolina definitely had a shot. And here's the thing. I won't say that it's a devastating blow to Carolina in this class. Of course, they did land Trey Miller already in this class at the cornerback position, and they still are going after a guy in Shelton Lewis who has really started to take off. Clemson is now right in the thick of his recruitment. It looks like it's the Tar Heels and Clemson that will be battling down the stretch to land his commitment. So, uh, Carolina's still got options there. That's still a pretty deep room for the Tar Heels, but I feel like that was one that a lot of people were hoping Carolina would be able to pull out and sort of start, you know, getting that pipeline in the state of Florida uh, to start to pick back up a little bit. I think that was one that people were looking towards Charlton Warren and of course Dre Bly and looking to see if they had the impact there that they were hoping. And uh, you know, right now I, I think they're still working to try to gain a little bit more traction in the state of Florida. Meanwhile. You go down to the state of South Carolina. Four-star interior offensive lineman Marquis Anderson commits to South Carolina. Not really a shock there either. The Gamecocks have been the long-time favorite for him. There was, of course, that time where Clemson, right after they jumped in and gave him the offer, looked like they were the team that could potentially challenge South Carolina. And then you had the Tarheels, who sort of hung around in this recruitment. And a lot of people were wondering, after the commitment of his high school teammate DJ Geth, who he has a really strong connection with, would the Tar Heels have an opportunity to land him? And it seems like they made the push there. There were some rumors from some people that uh, you know sort of suggested that he was considering that. But South Carolina just did too much here. They are rolling on the recruiting trail, especially on the offensive line. They have a couple of really highly rated four-star players that are committed there, and he ends up going there. So for Carolina, that's you know two misses, two guys that uh, were on their board that were targets of theirs in the 2023 class, and this is a group that is now getting thinner and thinner. But now Carolina has to turn their attention to a guy in the state of North Carolina, a three-star wide receiver prospect, a guy that's right on the borderline of being a four-star wide receiver, a slot guy in Kevin Concepcion, and this is a big one. Carolina, you know, that's just a school that he had sought a offer from for a while. When they officially offered, uh, it, it put Carolina right in the thick of this recruitment. But NC State had really done their work to gain an advantage over the other schools before Carolina offered, but now it looks like from multiple reports, especially you know Inside Carolina has had multiple reports on this, it looks like this is the definition of a dead heat recruitment at this point. So Carolina's got their opportunity here. At, at this point, I don't know if anybody knows where exactly he is leaning. NC State was the lean for a long, long time. But it seems like Carolina has really done some work. He has good connections with a lot of the guys that are committed to the class in this area. Carolina's done a much better job of getting some of the big names from the Charlotte area than NC State has done in this class. Don't get me wrong, NC State has some good commitments in this class from the Charlotte area. But you're talking about Carolina locking up guys like Christian Hamilton. Uh, as as well as Tad Hudson and Chris Culliver, guys that he has relationships with, just from you know being in seven on seven camps with these guys and being around these guys for the last few years. Uh, Not to mention, you know, the connection to guys that are on the roster, primarily Power Echols, uh, who went to Vance High School. So that's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Carolina is in this race, and it is going to be, uh, you know, one that will come down to the very end. His commitment is set, as of right now, for Saturday, and it is believed that he is going to go ahead and make that commitment at that time, so... This is one where if you're Carolina fans, hold your breath here. I don't think that this is one where if you miss on him, it is the end of the world. Uh, But at the same time, it feels like this is one that Carolina wants really badly. He's one of the top-rated players in the state. Carolina's done a good job so far of beating out in-state schools, NC State, Wake Forest, and Duke uh, for these commitments so far, really the only you know guys that they've missed on that are highly ranked in the state have gone out of state and have gone to big-name schools at that. So Carolina wants to keep that the same way, especially if they, if they can do that coming off of the season that they just had. They would feel pretty good about their ability to recruit the state of North Carolina. So uh, we'll see. And it would also give them a, a little bit of a stronger pipeline to uh, one of the schools in the state that has really, really produced some amazing talent over the last couple of years. It's a wonder if that's going to keep up with uh, you know all the stuff that is happening with the NCHSAA um, shifting you know the the uh, being more strict about um, you know some of the zoning rules uh, for where guys live. They have to live in a certain area. They are cracking down on some of the schools that have gone outside of those areas to bring guys in, trying to. You know, sort of eliminate some of the recruiting that has happened, and not to mention Vance uh, or excuse me, excuse me, Chambers High School has just lost uh, their head coach Glenwood Furby earlier this off season. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, but that is one that Carolina definitely has high on their radar for multiple reasons. We will keep you up to date on all of that stuff on the website heeltoughblog.com. We're working both angles for you. So we've got all the recruiting stuff, of course, and really after Concepcion commits, it looks like it's going to be a little bit of a quiet period here uh, as of right now. There could be other guys that pop up right before the season, but After that, you're kind of getting into that two-week window where guys are preparing for the upcoming high school football season. It's pretty rare that you see somebody announce their decision in that time period, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, The next one after that would probably be Paul Billups, who will be on August 24th. Um, but Carolina, you know, is starting to get down to the nitty-gritty of this 2023 class. There could always be some late offers for Carolina. There's no doubt about that. We've seen that multiple times over the past few years. But Carolina is getting down to, you know... The, the end of this class, starting to fill it out here, and uh, we got you covered on that front on the website. We've also got you covered when it comes to this upcoming season. I mentioned earlier um, when we were getting ready to go to break, the position previews, those are going out right now. We're going to break down every single position and get you ready for uh, this upcoming season by looking at everybody that's on this roster, all the guys that could potentially make an impact, the projected depth charts. I'll tell you where I think uh, you know guys land on the depth chart uh, this upcoming season. I just put up the quarterback one today on the day of recording, so make sure that you guys go and check that out. Find out who I think will win the quarterback battle, if I had to say today. Now, that could always change, but if I had to say today, find out who I think is going to win the quarterback battle. You can check that out. And then, uh, of course, as we get closer and closer to the season, we will have the breakout candidates. That's one of the things that you guys really like. Every year, we give you five guys, me and Josh Marlowe give you five guys uh, that we think have a chance to have breakout seasons Uh, We've had some guys that we've predicted uh, over the years that have worked out very, very well for us. We have guys that we have predicted over the years that have really not worked out for us. So uh, find out how bold we'll get with those. And speaking of bold... We have the bold predictions as well. That's where we give you a little bit more specifics, not player-related about the team. Last year, one of the ones that I said uh, that caught a lot of people off guard and I was you know, pretty hell-bent on going into the season was that this could be a top 25 defense with all the talent that they had. Boy, was I wrong. So find out what else we will be predicting for this upcoming season. It's all on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. And those last two things that we talked about, uh, we will be doing those in podcast form. So you don't want to miss those. There's tons of other great episodes coming up. Phil Steele is coming out here later on this week. You don't want to miss his breakdown of the tar. You'll Still have to get to my guy, Brett Cienci. We're going to do that before the season. And then, of course... We have the breakdowns coming up of the offense and defense. We do not have enough time, unfortunately, to do it as we did last year, which was to break down each and every position group in depth. But we are going to look at the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball like we have in past years and give you breakdowns, full breakdowns, opinions from me and Josh on those sides of the football And uh, those will be coming up, and you don't want to miss it. So make sure wherever you listen to your podcast, you are rate, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. We would greatly appreciate that uh, with the rating and the reviewing. But we want you guys mostly to subscribe because we want you to make sure that you don't miss an episode of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Uh, And you can also check out the social medias, that's a great way to find all of this stuff in one central location at HeelToughBlog on Facebook or just search HeelToughBlog in the search bar and then when you head over to Twitter it's at HeelToughBlog for the official page and then for our personal pages for us here at the HeelToughBlog and the HeelToughBlog podcast it's at HTBAnthony for me at HTBJosh at HTB underscore Josh he switched it for some reason uh, for Josh Marlowe and at HackZubber2 so that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Wanna thank Deems May for stopping by with us. Wanna thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.